Welcome to Today on Broadway for Friday, December 15th, 2017. We made it through another week. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, so uh, stuff happened. <laughs> you saw that, did you? <laughs> I did. And then I saw no, nary a note in the notes section. That's okay. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you got to, you know, you got to fish or cut bait. Uh, or poop or get off the pot, whichever metaphor you want to use. Or I don't know if that's really a metaphor, but I guess it kind of is. Well, it's a, it's a, it's almost a lyric from the Wild Party. Oh, I don't. I'm not familiar with either the Wild Party or Wild Party. I'm not. <laughs> uh, this was the Lippa. Is that just Wild Party? I think. I have. Is, I have no idea. Yeah, that's a uh, a, a Lippa lyric. Well, which is an adaptation of the poem. I'm not actually sure if it's in the poem yeah. or not. Wow, we're down a rabbit hole. We're like four four seconds in. It's, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the holiday season where there's not a ton of news, although there is some today. Uh, we've been getting down rabbit holes a lot lately, so uh, it's like it's Easter. Yeah. So I wonder if any of the uh, listeners know the whole uh, stuff happened stuff. If you do, uh, tweet at us. You know, I, th- I think that there's one person that knows because uh, okay. I think he might have tweeted at us today about that. Okay. I'm not okay. sure if it was Broadway Radio or me. Anyway, uh, first up in the news, Donna coming to Broadway sooner than expected. I thought this was Donna McKechnie. I thought it Donna was Donna Murphy. Murphy. She's staying on. No, but, uh, neither. Tell us about this. Although, Donna Murphy and Donna McKechnie in this show would be interesting. Anyway, yeah, so... <laughs> James, this is the biggest, most immediate Broadway news that we've had in a while, and I'm a little surprised by it. But obviously nothing is confirmed. But last night, the New York Post's Michael Riedel reported that Summer, the Donna Summer musical, will be setting up shop at Broadway's Fontaine Theater this spring in time to qualify for the 2018 Tony Awards. The reason that Riedel reports that the show will be coming in so quickly after its run at the La Jolla Playhouse is because producers Tommy Mottola and the Dodgers don't want to have to go up against the Cher show, which will be opening on Broadway in the fall. Not only do Donna Summer and Cher's music careers overlap in chronology and fandom, but both of these musical adaptations of their lives are using the unusual conceit of having three different actresses play the stars in various phases of their lives. Now, Matola, who is a big-time music executive and, you know, just for information, Mariah Carey's first ex-husband. Um, he wants Donna, the Donna Summer Show, to come in early to avoid comparisons because the reviews weren't exactly great out in Los Angeles. The ever-lovable and cuddly Charles McNulty just destroyed the show. Other reviews were more positive, saying that it needed to have some work done before it went to Broadway, but the bones of the story and the music were enough to make it an enjoyable evening at the theater. As a reminder, Storm Lever plays Duckling Donna. The Bullet, Ariana DeBose, Broadway radio friend and former guest, uh, plays Disco Donna, and then Tony Winner LaShawns plays Diva Donna. Now, James, I wonder if this is going to be one of those cases when Riedel kind of forces the hand of the producers to officially announce something before they were necessarily ready, because I really didn't expect to see any news of this size happening before the holidays were over. I thought we had kind of guided, you know, glided into the slow part of the holiday season where nobody was releasing anything because it would get swallowed up by all of the holiday hoopla. 
Well, yesterday we had uh, two announcements that I felt were like, why are they doing that, though? The Kristen well, Chenoweth. What yes. do you think? But no, no, you're absolutely right, and and that's why I said at the beginning, it's the the biggest, most immediate thing. Both of those shows, the the Kristen Chenoweth one, literally didn't even have a creative team announced for the show. So it's like they just said, "Hey, let's do the show and let's get Kristen Chenoweth to star, and then we'll figure out who's going to write it later." And then the Andrew Driver thing is for 2019. So you're absolutely right. We are getting news, but I just figured there would be more shows announced for the spring, but they'd wait until after the first of the year, you know. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I guess, you know, if they're going to announce them, they're going to announce them. We'll have to see what happens with the Donna thing, thing here. I'm uh, a little disappointed that they didn't do uh, small Donna, medium Donna, big Donna. <laughs> no, just Donna. Just Donna at the top. Of, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> what if George yeah. Foreman has a bio play? <laughs> With all his of his sons. different kids of- well and daughters and it's like george 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 and georgina it's just a terrible thing it's a grilling good time oh look here's a good old-fashioned hamilton section <laughs> yeah we haven't had a hamill section in a long time um but okay we've got three different stories in this section and first up is in lin-manuel miranda's first ever official twitter tweet storm i don't have that functionality yet on my app so y'all can uh, rub it in my face that i don't have it yet but he announced that for the next 13 months december 2017 through december 2018 that he would be releasing new hamilton content Every month, this will kind of be a replacement for the previously announced Hamilton mixtape volume two. And he is kicking it off today with the release of Ben Franklin's song. Lynn originally wrote the lyrics for the song and intended to set them to music reminiscent of kind of the folk indie band, the Decemberists. However, he never got around to including them because he decided that the song wasn't necessary in the story and moved on. But now that these Hamill drops are coming, his life is super busy, as we'll see from the rest of this section. And presumably he doesn't have time to write the music for the song. So instead, he turned his lyrics over to Colin Malloy, who just so happens to be the front man for the Decemberists. <laughs> the track became available at midnight. So you can go and get it now on iTunes or wherever you get your music. Um, really interested to hear what this song is going to sound like and where it might have fit in, in the narrative of Hamilton, if it had actually been included. Now, James Lindman specifically said that every month would feature a release of new Hamilton content. He didn't specifically say that it would be music every time. So it very well might end up being a full 13 songs. But I kind of expect by him saying content that there will be some videos or photos or I don't know, you know, lyrics or something along the way to kind of supplement the additional songs as well. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I think that he's going to be a, a one man content machine, uh, <laughs> which uh, hopefully a- without net neutrality, we'll be able to see it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like someone should start their own podcast just specifically dedicated to all things Hamilton. Maybe called the Lincast. That'll work. We'll workshop, we'll workshop that. <laughs> Hamilton's Eliza tour finds its cast. What's an Eliza tour? 
Well, it's the second national tour of, of of Hamilton. The first one is the Angelica tour. That's the one that's currently playing in Los Angeles after having the run in San Francisco. It will then embark on a more traditional tour after the first of the year. But now that we're talking about things on stage on Thursday, producer Jeffrey Seller announced that Joseph Morales and Nick Walker would be leading this second national tour as Hamilton and Burr, respectively. Morales is currently the alternate Alexander Hamilton in Chicago, and Walker is coming straight from the Broadway production, where he's in the ensemble and an understudy and or standby for Burr, Mulligan slash Madison, and George Washington. Also in the cast will be Teray Campbell as Angelica, Marcus Choi as George Washington, Shoba Naran as Eliza, former Broadway Anjara, uh, Kyle Scatliff as Lafayette and Jefferson, and more. We will have the complete cast list for this tour in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Hamilton's Eliza tour will launch from Seattle's Paramount Theater in February uh, on February 6th of 2018. So uh, you wrote in there, uh, Burr, Mulligan, Slash, Madison, and I thought <laughs> Slash from Guns N' Roses? No. no. Yeah, with the big, uh, the, the big yeah, uh, top Kentucky hat. Kentucky Fried yeah. Chicken bucket head, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. Uh, so Lin-Manuel Miranda pens a Puerto Rico federal aid op-ed. Yes, and now for the final thing in our Hamill section. Yesterday, the Washington Post published an op-ed from Miranda on – the devastation that still plagues Puerto Rico in the wake of this fall's Hurricane Maria. In the essay, Miranda criticizes the government response to the tragedy and provides actionable examples of how to improve the ongoing situation on the island more efficiently and effectively than what is being done now. He begins, quote, since Hurricane Maria, um, since Hurricane Maria ravaged Puerto Rico 84 days ago, my uncle Elvin hasn't had electricity. You read that right. 84 days without being able to turn on a light or stock a refrigerator or take a hot shower. Hundreds of thousands of Puerto Ricans on the island cannot do the simple things we all take for granted. He then goes on to lay out a number of proposed solutions to the federal government and the Trump administration, including an end to a 20 percent import tax on goods made in foreign jurisdictions such as Puerto Rico, providing the streamlining Medicaid access to those in need of health care and congressional approval of the $94 billion aid package requested by the Puerto Rican government. The big takeaway is also that he said that the island's creditors, as we know, Puerto Rico has been uh, ravaged by debt even before this hurricane hit. Lynn said that the creditors should walk away from that debt that they are owed in order for PR to be able to rebuild itself. Um, you know, it, it, well, well, first off, we'll have that full op-ed and the link, uh, a link to it in the show notes at BarterRadio.com. Uh, but James, it's it's always impressive to me, and I was going to make a nonstop joke here, but I'm not going to because this is serious. But um, it's always impressive to me literally how Lynn can have his hand in so many different things and do them so well, but, you know, be able to make a great, incredible art and to make a difference in the world. So um, check out that op-ed and, and continue to contribute to the charities that Lynn suggests because it does make a difference and people are really, really in need in the United States. And we've kind of forgotten about them already. Yeah. Still a million people without electricity in Puerto Rico. Um, just unbelievable that this is happening. Just unconscionable. Uh, yeah. All right. Next up, Actors Equity releases a study on the congressional tax bill. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, talking about things that are also unconscionable. Yesterday in The Hollywood Reporter, Actors' Equity released a scathing rebuke of the tax reform bill currently working its way through the legislative process. According to a study done by AEA, if the bill becomes law, it would eliminate middle-class tax deductions for agent and manager commissions that actors have to pay, as well as union dues, training classes, and other business expenses while protecting the more top-earning talent by leaving loan-out corporations unaffected. What this means is that some working actors may see their taxes as much as quadruple, according to analysis and analysis by Actors' Equity. In addition, this will also impact writers, directors, and screen and television actors, basically anybody who works as a contracted employee uh, is going to get hit hard. Equity Treasurer Sandra Carras laid out a few specific examples of how it would impact performers. According to AEA, an actor who earned about $97,000, about three quarters from pension and investments, paid $12,434 in taxes, but would have paid $15,579 under the new law, an increase of about 25%. Another actor who earned over $87,000 would see an increase of 37%. But here's where it gets hard. People making $97,000 and $87,000, yes, I I understand that paying three or $2,000 more is hard, but for an actor who earned $28,000, they paid taxes of just $513 under the current plan, but they would have paid $1,726 if the new law had been in place. That's an increase of 236%. So, a married couple, both performers who earned about $65,000 combined, paid $1,228 under the new law. They would have uh, owed $4,535, an increase of 269%. So, James, I, you know, you're the money guy. You've got a degree in economics. I, I don't really know the nuts and bolts of this, but I, I think it's pretty plain to see that this bill – if it is in fact turned into a law, will hurt a lot of people that need the money more than those people that already have a ton. Apparently, the bill is getting a lot more pushback in the Senate right now, so we can only hope that that pushback intensifies and that those of us who are concerned about this continue to put pressure on elected officials in order to remind them that they represent all of their constituents, not just the corporations and the wealthiest amongst us who would benefit most at the detriment of everyone else. I don't know what to say about this. The, these numbers are horrifying. Uh, you know, as you move uh, lower and lower in the earnings scale, these people are getting hit harder and harder, and, and it just seems like the world is upside down. I, I just don't know what they can do about this. And it, and I listen to a lot of politics podcasts, and uh, mm -hmm. the pundits there are saying that the Republicans and Trump with this loss uh, in Alabama have doubled down and are really going to probably be successful about passing this new tax law. So <laughs> eight, uh, 2018 and 2020 is really important for us to get our feet back underneath ourselves. Hmm. All right. Uh, what's up in the show and casting news? 
All right. Yesterday, the Public Theater announced a complete casting for the world premiere of Kings, the new play from playwright Sarah Burgess, directed by Tommy Kale. Man, we can't get away from the Hamilton stuff. The show will be led by Gillian Jacobs as Kate, who returns to the public after last appearing in The Little Flower of East Orange in 2018. If you're not familiar with Gillian Jacobs, she was on the TV show Community and now is on the Netflix show Love. She's fantastic. I believe she's a Juilliard grad. There's a really she does she had some really good podcast interviews. She's very very interesting. Also in the cast will be Aya Cash, Aisa uh, uh, Davis, and Zach Zach Grenier. In the show, Jacobs's Kate is a whip smart lobbyist who doesn't waste her time on anyone who can't get elected, stay elected. And help her clients get what they want. Kate thinks Representative Sidney Millsap, played by Davis, is a political neophyte whose staunch ideals are going to cost her a burgeoning political career. But Representative Millsap and her high-minded principles turn out to be more resilient than Washington was expecting. And for the first time, Kate is faced with a choice that might change everything for her, back the system or back what she believes in. This seems oddly appropriate for this uh, conversation we're having today. Um, the show is currently scheduled to run from January 30th through March 25th. Obviously, anything off-Broadway has the potential to extend at some point. This is one, James, that I will be carving out time in my March trip to see. Um, I do love uh, Gillian, so uh, this is one that I would recommend. In other news, yesterday, the Wallace Annenberg Center out in California announced the world premiere of the new show, Jackie Unveiled. This comes from playwright Tom Dugan. It's a one-woman drama focusing on the style, grace, and strength of Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. Uh, the late first lady will be played by Saffron Burroughs, who is the star of Amazon's Mozart in the Jungle, which is a show that I really tried to watch, but I could not. Um, anyway, the show will play uh, The Wallace from Thursday, February 22nd through Sunday, March 11th of 2018. And finally, sticking with theater news outside of New York. Yesterday, the Muni announced some of the creative teams behind the shows in their 100th season. I'm always impressed by the fact that they're at 100 seasons. I'll run through some of the, the directors real quick, but we'll have the complete list in the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Directing Jerome Robbins Broadway will be Cynthia Anrubia. Uh, directing The Wiz will be Dennis Jones. Providing choreography for that one. I'm gonna, this one's going to be a little bit of a tangent here. Providing choreography for The Wiz will be Camille A. Brown. She is the choreographer for Once on This Island right now. Interestingly enough, in the press release that the Muni sent out, her first credit next to Broadway is Pal Joey 2018 Revival. I'm unfamiliar that there's going to be a Pal yeah. Joey 2018 revival. But interesting. Yeah, hadn't heard anything about that one. It seems a little too soon to have another Pal Joey revival. It's, I mean, it's not Gypsy. We don't need one every other year or Glass Menagerie. But anyway, so uh, that's beside the point. Singing in the Rain will be directed by Mark Bruni. Uh, Jersey Boys will be directed by Josh Rhodes. Annie will be directed by John Tartaglia, which is awesome. He's uh, performed at the Muni quite regularly. Uh, Gypsy will be directed by Rob Ruggiero, and then Meet Me in St. Louis will be directed by Marsha Milgram Dodge. So if you want to check out the complete uh, creative teams that have been announced so far, we'll have that link in the show notes, and you can check that out. But lots of great stuff happening down in St. Louis over the summer. Hmm. They, they, we're talking already about the Muni. I love I that. <laughs> I love that. It's uh, 
It's very cold here, and it's just about to be Christmas, but the Muni makes me warm inside. Yeah. All right. Uh, Broadway World Live Chats with Megan Hilty. Yeah, I'm going to do a, a shameless plug. I try not to do these too, too often, but <laughs> yesterday... Hey, I, I I don't I no I no I totally no. I totally agree I think yeah. it's uh, I think <laughs> that you give uh, fair and balanced representation. Don't use that term, please. <laughs> um, anyway, yesterday uh, we have this on. Term. Yeah, no, no, no. The Fox News is staying out of the Disney purchase. We didn't uh, even anyway. talk about the Disney purchase today. No, we don't. Oh, anyway, that's tomorrow. another one. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we had this new series on Broadway World called Broadway World Live, which is basically live Facebook chats where uh, Steve Schoenberg talks with Broadway stars and, and asks them questions that readers and viewers and fans have submitted. Yesterday, he talked with the great Megan Hilty, who is in New York to perform with the New York Pops over the weekend. Um, she's performing a concert uh, on Friday. December 15th today and tomorrow at the Stern Auditorium at Carnegie Hall. But they just had a great conversation. I, I you know, I, I love Megan Hilty. There's just something so fun and warm about her while she's also got this little bit of an edge of being um, like someone who you would like to sit there and gossip with because she just has this like this sharp tongue that I really love. Uh, big fan uh, of her. And the conversation was really great. She kind of talked about some things that a lot of people have had burning questions about, in, including, you know, when's she going to come to Broadway, uh, come back to Broadway? What would she like to do? It would want, my favorite part though, was she, they, they asked if what movie she would like to star in, if it was adapted to a musical. And James, you'll understand why this is uh, interesting. She said, man, I really hope someone writes a musical version of death becomes her. Ah. And and Steve looks around and says, you know, they announced that yesterday, right, uh, with with Kristen Chenoweth. But here's what's interesting to me, James. Kristen Chenoweth is playing the Meryl Streep role. That's not the role that if you would have told me she was doing um, Death Becomes Her that I thought she would have been in. I thought she would have been in the Goldie Hawn role because we know Kristen Chenoweth is this brilliant comedian as well. I I would be totally fine if Megan Hilty played the Goldie Hawn role in uh, uh, in, in in this musical. So I I'm all for it. Let's do that. <laughs> That's awesome, huh? I love that. All right, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at bwwmatt and subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. We have a few things coming to you this weekend. Check out the feed for a new podcast by Jan Simpson. And uh, this week on Broadway, uh, we will talk to you on Sunday. And then Matt and I will be back on Monday. We'll see you then. 